This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, everyone, to the Palindromatic Podcast Unlocked, episode 515 for October 12th, 2021. I'm Ryan McCaffrey here at IGN, joined as always by my IGN colleagues. First up, Miranda Sanchez. Hi, Miranda. Hi, hello. Glad to be back. Whenever I miss Unlocked, I'm always just a little sad. Aww. Yeah, it's uh, glad to be you, here. You and I are going to miss next week's show. We're going to be <laughs> yes. on a particularly strange assignment. So, uh, Destin, we're leaving it in your hands, but welcome back, Destin. Hi, everybody. It'll be bamtastically terrible, but <laughs> oh, no. buckle up because it's going to be fun. Uh, and and Stella Chung, welcome back to you. And uh, I have uh, a particular now. Actually, you know what? I should let you say it. Well, I don't. I don't need to say it. You say it. Oh, we're doing the thing. Let's do the thing. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah. Ryan asked me to be back as a reoccurring member of the show. So, yeah, I, I didn't know that was happening today. I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I awesome. Cool. Get, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get. Uh, I mean, you knew, but uh, you yeah. just didn't know we would talk about it now. But. Yeah, I, I wanted to surprise the other panelists. I so the backstory <laughs> here, just so I get comments every week, and and I love them. I appreciate them. Of where is Brandon Tyrell? The reality is, I mean, he's said this before in his. I know he hasn't been on in quite some time. Brandon runs event coverage for IGN now because, as you all know from the last, particularly year and a half of the pandemic, there are just nonstop events throughout the year and. Games and entertainment, too. I mean, we've got the DC Fandom coming up this weekend as a big entertainment one, although we'll probably get some Gotham Knights and Rocksteady Suicide Squad stuff there, too. But it is it is literally a full-time job. So he is completely transitioned into that. And just there's so much planning that goes into the coverage of that stuff. When you guys see it on IGN, there's been a lot of hard work from people that aren't on camera that have gone into making that possible and, and just getting us ready to do that. And that's Brandon's job now. And it's just the the meeting. It's a very meeting-tastic life for him. But he's thriving in it. He's doing great. He and I spoke. And he wanted to just humbly step aside, even though he does enjoy doing the show. And he will be back. I'm actually hoping, Destin, when, when Miranda and I are gone next week, I'm hoping you might be able to just crowbar into his <laughs> schedule and get him on here next week so he can kind of... Uh, say the, the full-time goodbye we'll still have him back whenever we can from time to time but yeah so brandon's job has changed his schedule has changed and stella we've had such a great time with you here particularly in recent weeks talking about halo and then your other couple of appearances part of that that i just thought you know what this is this is a great fit the audience loves you i love having you on so welcome full-time you are now a permanent chair here on unlock so welcome Yay. aboard Thank you. It's a very comfy chair. I will not be moving anytime soon. So <laughs> thank you so much. You are more than welcome. So uh, now all you have to do is play. Uh, so every Xbox game ever made, I've got, yes, you know, absolutely. I'll, I'll start sending you some of those 360 discs back there. Just yes. stacks of homework. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it will be a, it'll be an Xbox life for you now, which I know it already, already is alongside. Oh, no, whatever stuff. shall I do? Xbox game pass and all these other amazing games on this console that I have. Oh no. <laughs> well, let's start actually the, the, we've got a major 
back for a uh, major game pass game in the form of back for blood uh stella did you get a chance to, to run a quick match oh. before uh before <clears throat> we were on the air today yeah i got a solid four hours in last night after nice <laughs> oh my god it is so fun i i feel like Honestly, I know that since the pandemic started, it's been really hard to get games released and things have been pushed back. But I feel like Back for Blood just came at a perfect time. It's spooky month and a lot of people have been wanting to get back into gaming with friends, especially with all these news on these presentations recently. And Back for Blood feels so good. I was a little worried in the beta that it was going to be a little bit too difficult or that it was going to be a little bit of a different system because of all the card systems like corruption cards and then building your deck to give yourself like the best stats and stuff. But it feels so good. And there's nothing wrong with playing at Recruit because the whole point is for you to be able to get through levels, level up and um, collect different cards so you can keep doing different playthroughs. So the replayability is amazing. Uh, gunplay feels really good. You're able to get different attachments and stuff. Um, and I, I don't know, just it brings me back to Left 4 Dead days and it makes me so happy. Like those were some of my favorite games of, or favorite days of gaming, um, especially with all the different mods that you could do. I definitely did the Teletubby Left 4 Dead 2 mod, which is terrifying. Uh, having Lala charge at you <laughs> is, is terrifying. <laughs> uh, so I'm very excited to see what people will do with the modding community um, on Steam at this game. Uh, and it's also on Game Pass, which is awesome. So um, the crossplay feels seamless as well, which is amazing. So even huge more inclusion. Get. Yes, I love that. Yeah, huge get for Game Pass on this. I mean, this is a game that um, is it is it's a high profile. This is a big game. I mean, it is the original creators of Left 4 Dead, and the fact that Game Pass subscribers can just jump <laughs> right in. I mean, that's that is phenomenal. We talked about this uh, a month or so ago about how Game Pass kind of will influence, there's all these major first-person shooters out this fall, and suddenly, you know, one of them is just right there, two, well, two of them along this on Halo in December are right there for you on Game Pass, and that's going to make it a lot easier to decide, all right, well, I guess I'm going to play this. And Stella, you know, so the, the, something you said that I, I really latched onto was you said it makes you so happy because <laughs> it does feel like Left 4 Dead, and that's, that is the, that was the thesis of the whole game from, from the jump. And I felt the same way. I actually have not had a chance to dive into the full version yet. I'm going to do that today. And in fact, uh, I'm, we talked about this before we got on the air. I'm going to put time. I'm going to book out all of your calendars and we're going to play some four player. Yes. Either tomorrow or okay. th maybe Thursday, um, Friday, if it, if it gets too hectic during the week. But we're definitely going to do it because that is this game. And, you know, you got, it's, it's a co-op <laughs> game. You got to do it. But yeah, I just it really does feel like a a throwback to Left 4 Dead in the best of ways. I mean, Stella, can you kind of compare based on what you've played so far? You know, Left 4 Dead in in some ways was kind of a, a ahead of its time, I feel, in regards to that that baked-in replayability that every game goes for now and trying to keep you playing and keep you spending money on content packs or skins or whatever it's going to be. How has that evolved? for back for blood here like what you know it's not just the, the director the ai director changing things up that is in here but like what else is in here that that kind of helps keep you coming back again and again um so the the campaign is very long i'll, I'll say that uh, i i was playing for quite a bit last night and i didn't even finish act one which by the way one of First, one of the few levels in uh, Act One, there's there's an homage to uh, Shaun of the Dead. It's a very fun scene. <laughs> um, so 
I want to say that it, it brings back the co-op replayability with, um, you know, Left 4 Dead. It has that, like, you know, you feel overwhelmed, but also not really because you have, you know, friendship and teamwork. So that feels really good. But it's definitely been a modernized Left 4 Dead. So, you know, there's like the sprinting mechanic. There's the stamina mechanic. So you have to really think about how how much time you want to spend sprinting, uh, how much time you want to spend meleeing. Uh, there are different characters built for different things like the medic class um and uh there's the sniper so there, there's a lot of different ways that it's been modernized including the weapons uh and movements so that feels really good um but it, it just takes like the base mechanics like the core game of left for dead and it just brings it up to speed with modern day shooters which feels really good so it doesn't feel like it's set in the past it feels perfect for for the environment now which makes me feel really happy um oh hi <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. And and the story is actually very intriguing. I feel like all the cutscenes have been done really well. It makes me not want to skip the cinematics each time. Also for replayability, um, every time that you play through the campaign, I believe on different difficulties, you can get different skins. Um, there are different challenges for to get different weapon skins and stuff as well. So there is um, there's a reason to <laughs> there's a reason to want to um, replay the game. I believe if you play on Nightmare Difficulty uh, on a character, you unlock their uh, Zwat skin, which is definitely like a zombie's uh, SWAT team skin. So if you see someone wearing that skin, you know that they've spent <laughs> way too much time in the game. So there's there's stuff like that that will bring you back to replay, I think, which is really cool. Also, the corruption cards will change every time, which is the challenge cards that are pitted against you. So the zombies might get more powerful. You might get bosses like every other round. You don't know. It's cool. Because um, they randomize it every run, which is really cool. Well, yeah, I I just cannot wait to dive into this. This is it's. I feel like it's kind of snuck up a little bit. But you mentioned that you know spooky season is a good time for it. <laughs> I I wonder. I hope it doesn't get drowned out at all. I think Game Pass will help avoid that. But remember, this was supposed to come out what over the summer. This was this had been pushed back along with so many other games. So um, it'll be interesting to see you know how much attention it does get and. I have a feeling this game's going to have like maybe it's not going to you know peak up right away and ha and be this like just major thing that everybody's playing and everybody's talking about but I just feel like it's going to build over time and keep going like just for months and months and months on end. Mm -hmm. So really looking forward to Back for Blood. Uh um, now the uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Quick Back for Blood shout out. If you need help, we've got a guide. Just want to let y'all know. Yes. On that. <laughs> and I think the review is in progress on IGN, I believe. Let me see here. Because uh, I can't imagine we would have reviewed yeah. it before <laughs> the live servers went up. Yeah, I think that's that is in progress now. So stay tuned for that. Very fun. IGN. Uh, next, Forza Horizon 5. I'll make this. I know it's the headline of the show. I mean, I won't rush through it, but. Um, I was the only person to have the opportunity to play on this panel. Luke Riley, our racing game absolute expert. There's no one better in the entire games business of reviewing and, and critiquing driving games than Luke Riley out of Australia. Unfortunately, uh, the time zone, I think it's uh, it's maybe somewhere in the middle of the night for him. I wasn't going to drag him out of bed and make him come on the podcast <laughs> and talk about it. Go watch his his final preview on either IGN or on youtube.com slash IGN. But I also played, so I wanted to just talk a little bit about Forza Horizon because this is uh, one of the two major first-party releases this holiday, this, you know, in this fourth quarter, the other, of course, being Halo Infinite. 
And uh, I, you know, of course it's great. Like it's, it's this, it's Forza's horizons in this strange situation. And we've talked about this with Forza before where they have the very good problem of trying to up the bar every time on a thing that's already brilliant. I mean, the, the review score has gone up every single time on IGN. Uh, again, with Luke reviewing every time from, I forget what Horizon 1 got back on the 360. I want to say it was maybe like an 8 or something. And then uh, it goes up, you know, Horizon 2 was 9-something. Horizon 3, I specifically remember, was a 9-5. And I, I believe Horizon 4 was even higher than that. I think we hadn't switched to the 20-point scale yet. But uh, is this a 10? I don't know. Uh, it, but it's it wouldn't surprise me if we end up calling this one a 10 out of 10 masterpiece in the sense that it again takes everything that's great about Forza Horizon. And it is the thing about it. And if you're watching on video with us, obviously you're, you're watching footage of the game now. I mean, it, it takes the series to Mexico and, you know, Yay. as usually a fictionalized version of a real place. I mean, look at this. This is look at the draw distance going on. First track. of all, yeah. <laughs> and it's, I mean, the the tech here uh, and Destin, I think your team is probably digging in for a performance preview or performance review down so, the, down the way on this. So here's the thing. I, I was so well, obviously, I, I took paternity leave and I, I had to use that time. But um, I came back and I emailed PR and I was so disheartened because they're like, we literally just closed it. You can't down. <laughs> so I missed it by like an hour. I was like, <laughs> I wanted to play this so bad. But uh, this is honestly ryan this is one of my most anticipated uh titles of the year i've been really really looking forward to, to playing this for myself yeah i mean the the so the demo unfortunately i would have just had it running behind me but it was an expiring <laughs> it it uh, it's expired as destin noted so can't show it to you but obviously go watch the preview and footage uh, there's gameplay that mark medina pulled on ign as well and you see here the monsoon the dust storm uh photo mode i mean there's an there's an editor built in which I did not get to play with, but it is. I mean, it's got more cars in it than ever, including the DeLorean, by the way, which uh, <laughs> making its triumphant return to Forza. That makes me happy as a longtime DeLorean owner. But it's you know you're doing just fun social driving events. It is the ultimate driving game. I don't even call it a racing game. Like I know I'm, I'm sure Playground might disagree. I I think it is a driving game. The essence of it isn't so much racing although that's very much a part of it but it is the act of driving in this beautiful place where you can go anywhere and do all kinds of activities and this is a series that we've talked about this before it has been gaining momentum over time when it first started it was sort of this this sort of little brother to forza motorsport which had, which was much much more established but over time i i would argue i mean in part because motorsport has been on the sidelines for a while now as they rebuild and reboot the game for a purely next-gen experience. I think Horizon's the most popular version of Forza now, and deservedly so, because it's incredibly approachable. It's not a hardcore sim, although you can dial up the all the the car settings and the you know the, the driving settings to, to have it be pretty authentic. And you can also do stuff like drive around and knock over bowling pins. It's just, it, cut, it it's casts a wide net. And if you just have any affinity for cars at all, play this game. It's going to be on Game Pass. It launches November, I believe it's 
ninth for everybody and the sixth or something if you pay you know if you if you pay the premium for the you know the, the deluxe edition but yeah i i can't really say enough about this game other than you know they're gonna run into the problem maybe even with this one the longer we get into it of just how can they how does it not feel how does it still feel fresh and new after now five of them because that that's really a, and again, that's like the best problem you could possibly have is, well, our game's so good. How do we keep making it better? But uh, play this when you get a, when you get a chance. That's really the point because it's, it's just fantastic as you would fully expect from Forza Horizon 5. So I will hop off my Forza soapbox <laughs> for now, but it's, it's, look at this. I mean, Forza's coming back for bloods on game pass. Now uh, Halo's coming. It's looking good. We're in really, really good shape here. Destiny Beyond Light just came to PC also with Back yes. of Blood. Uh, the next topic this week, the Grand Theft Auto Trilogy Remaster, which is now officially the definitive edition, finally officially confirmed by Rockstar after uh, there was a Kotaku report, there was a leak on Rockstar's own website about it. <laughs> it's now been officially confirmed. All three games... Quote, will feature across-the-board upgrades, including graphical improvements and modern gameplay enhancements for all three titles while still maintaining the classic look and feel of the originals. More details will follow in the coming weeks. Uh, Rockstar has not yet confirmed if the games will be released as a single package, individual titles, or both. I would not expect them individually, at least not for a while. I suspect they'll make you buy a whole, whole uh, $60 or $70 package on this if you're buying on Series X or ps5 but um yeah i have to say i, I want to go around the room here i i had said I, after sony's last state of play which was not that long ago i thought that was the point of no return that there's just this thing's not real it was just a rumor um because it would have had to have gotten announced if it was coming out but thankfully uh that was not the case it is real and it is coming this year they're not saying when as of yet now i did look it up the actual 20th anniversary of Grand Theft Auto 3, which is presumably the impetus for this entire thing, that anniversary is October 22nd, which is in 10 days from when we're recording this. So if it were coming out on the actual anniversary, they probably would have told us by now, although I know I just said that about the state of play, <laughs> was wrong about that. But uh, if it's out this year, I mean, maybe it'll hit the anniversary, but more likely, I suspect maybe it'll they'll sneak it out for Black Friday mm. kind of thing, like sometime in November. But um, yeah, Destin, I want to go your way here. Which which of these three? Uh, well, actually, you know what? Let me start start here. They mention graphical improvements, obviously, but modern gameplay enhancements. What do you think that means? What do you think that those any or all three of those games need to kind of modernize the gameplay a little bit without changing the whole thing fundamentally yeah i mean probably they're just doubling down on what they mean by graphical upgrades so like 4k textures and just better looking lighting better looking just enhancement type things i can't imagine that they're going to deviate too much and for me the game that i'm looking forward to most is vice city vice city is probably the game that i spent most of my time with in the Grand Theft Auto universe, I played through the whole campaign. Really, really love the campaign. I played through the whole campaign of uh, three, even with the silent protagonist. Yeah. And then a lot of people like San Andreas the most. But for me, San Andreas went a little bit too far into the wacky with like 
the the jetpack and everything. And I'm like, okay, I, I like this story. I actually like how it played out, but uh, Vice City was the one that I liked the most because at the time I was really into Ray Liotta and you know all the movies that he was in, the mobster flicks, you know, like Casino and what's the one that he did? Uh, all my life, I always wanted to be a gangster, and then. <laughs> Like that's the opening. I can't remember the Ray Liotta movie. Huge, huge just, monster you know, I, movie. Yeah, I only I just on saw it. him in the Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos prequel. So that's yeah. that's the only like picture of him I can get in my head right now. Yeah. So anyway, very very excited to. I, but like, I don't know what the, these enhancements are going to be. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I have so many questions yeah. about it more than anything. Like, well, what are the enhancements? Are you just like 4K texturing it and re-releasing it because? That's less exciting to me. There's rumors about it using the Unreal Engine versus, you know, whatever engine they used at the time. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see what this means, because if it is a significant enhancement, I'm more excited. But if yeah. it's a like retexturing and re-releasing, that's good. But even the Mass Effect edition that we recently just got made significant improvements to the original. And uh, like it has to be at least that. <laughs> right. Miranda, I know we talked when we talked about this, uh, when the rumor first broke, you, you're going to be diving into these for the first time. So I'm kind of curious of the three or is there one that jumps out at you as you're more or less excited to to either jump into first or just just to check out? I would say probably San Andreas, just because it does seem to be so popular. Uh, I think that's why I'm more curious about it. I think it's also the largest of the three. So I think I'd probably want to dive into that. Although, to be quite frank. There's no way I'm playing any of these this fall because there's too many new games out already that yeah. I'm trying to catch up with. It's, I don't know, whenever these collections come out, it's really cool. It's like, oh, wow, we have like this opportunity to catch up on these older games. If you didn't like myself play them, uh, GTA 3 came out when I was eight. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I was, I don't know if you guys missed this, but whenever I was younger, my first exposure to GTA was my cousin showing it to me. Yeah, but he was like, here's a strip club. And I was like, I'm a child. What is <laughs> happening? And I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> and, then, and then I didn't play GTA until GTA 5 came out. Uh, so I think it'll be interesting getting to see what folks do love about these older Rockstar games so much. Uh, just a matter of time, of course, of whenever I can get to these. Because they are larger games. And it is great that they're re-releasing them. They have all these, like, hopefully some good improvements beyond just... Um, basic graphical upgrades. I'm sure that there's going to be some tweaking here and there. Um, and of course, we will see what that is with time. But the, the the problem is always time. It's like, when do we have time for those? But I am looking forward to San Andreas when I can get back to it um, at some point. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're uh, <laughs> you are looking at, to your point, easily 120 hours oh, yeah. in this in this collection. Easily. Probably Probably, I mean, you could absolutely spend and have fun in for way longer than that. 150 plus, maybe 200. I mean, these are all three of them are you could, I mean, just going through the story and some peripheral open world things, they're all easily 40 hour games. There's there's just no no doubting that. Now, Stella, you're you're nodding, you're agreeing with Miranda about <laughs> about the timing of these not working out oh super well for you. As far as yeah. playing them this holiday. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm I'm so glad 
for the influx of games. Like, I'm absolutely down for that. Uh, it just means that there's more on my backlog. That's fine. That's fine. But definitely not going to be able to get to these uh, this year. Um, as much as I want new story games to invest in, and it would be my first time playing through these as well. And I agree with Miranda that I would want to play through San Andreas. Um, I mean, there it, that seems to be the very like the beloved title um that i always see people go back to uh it, it's just it's just a lot and i i really want to invest myself in these games because i feel like the story have has always been praised in these previous titles yes so i definitely want to take time to like fully immerse myself in the world as opposed to like oh i'll just get in a few hours you know this week then maybe maybe after two weeks i'll get back in. i i want to spend like a full week just playing through uh that right. way it stays fresh in my mind and, and the thing with GTA games, right, Stella, is like you don't just you don't just stop in for the story. No. <laughs> like it is a full on experience. You were doing some of the role playing, right, Stella, in five. Yeah, I, I caught so, you streaming that once. Yes. Um. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Shout out to No Pixel. Uh, they have an amazing community on Five M. They use that Five M modding service, uh, and they made like an entirely uh open world like rp server um on gta 5 so that's cool yeah absolutely amazing uh it's so funny though my character ended up becoming a uh news reporter and i was like oh my oh, god yeah. i'm working outside of work <laughs> why did i do this to myself anyways yeah so <laughs> so it's just like with that i mean i don't know like i really love just kind of losing myself in gta 5 and having so much time to explore it. and if san andreas is as good as everyone says it is that means this is very Oh, definitely going to be more than 40 hours so <laughs> you kind of want to give yourself the time and the space to really enjoy that and like sit with it for a long time mm -hmm. my memory of san andreas is that the open the world is geographically way bigger than five or than anything else that rockstar has ever done but i'll be interested to see but you know five is a big game like geographically yeah. it's, it's a lot <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to be kind of curious when this does come out to see like, oh, am I am I just was I remembering it as this? Well, physically bigger than it is. Thing? I mean, it is it is a big game world either way, but uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it how it stacks up, because you have you have Los Santos, a.k.a. Los Angeles. You have San Fierro, San Francisco and Las Venturas, which is Las Vegas, and then some little towns and stretches in between. But, you know, five is no slouch in the geography department either. Destin, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say it like it's it's L.A., San Francisco and Vegas because they have like the huge, you know, strip basically where you can go gamble or yeah, or do whatever. They also have this whole system where like if you eat a bunch of junk food, you get fat, That's you right. go to the gym, you get <laughs> about that. There's like there's all these like little things that you can get into in San Andreas where that. it's it's definitely where they took the genre like really, really far forward in terms of the amount of things you can do, you can choose not to do any of that, but like even pedaling your bike, you'll build up right. your, your stamina and stuff like that. So um, yeah, there's, there's so many different things that you can do with, uh, with that particular game. And uh, yeah, for me, I think part of the reason I like Vice City is because it was the first one to introduce uh, bikes. It was the first one to introduce flying where you didn't have to like do the weird thing with the with plane. the dodo. Yeah. With the dodo. The wingless, <laughs> wingless plane that you could get to kind of take off sort of. Yeah. And huh. uh, it was the, it was fully voice acted, you know, like that was a big deal for them. Yeah. The original one was voice acted, but you played a silent protagonist, which was sort of a mm -hmm. thing at the time because that's what Halo did. But um. Yeah, then they really took it to the next level with, with San Andreas. And honestly, both stories are phenomenal. Uh, just playing through the core stories. Uh, I, I so, won't ruin it for you. I'm really excited to hear 
if if you do end up playing through the entirety of uh, uh, at least San Andreas, I can't wait to see and hear about your reactions to the story that's told. So seeing this older gameplay, it just makes me very nostalgic for the Simpsons hit and run and Simpsons Road <laughs> Rage. And I just want those re-released so bad. Somebody just so remade uh, Simpsons Hit and Run in Unreal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, the movie, by the way, was uh, Goodfellas. That's the one that I... Of course. It was yeah. driving me crazy because I couldn't remember <laughs> it, so I had to look it up. But. Yeah. I mean, you're right, Destin. Like, I liked the story a lot in 3, but in, it's kind of just this weird, dark crime story. But as you said, there's no... It's just different because your character doesn't say anything. And then, yeah, I think Rockstar really kind of found their way with with their sort of the storytelling that we know them for today with Vice City and and uh, Tommy Versetti voiced by Ray Liotta. And then uh, San Andreas. Yeah. With, I mean, Samuel L. Jackson and, and the, the that story has some twists and turns to it, too. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I don't want to spoil anything for viewers who haven't watched it, but it's yeah. It's, both stories are excellent um yeah. uh there's there's all these i remember at the time like there was all this stuff about how ray Liotta was really hard to work with though so like that was that unfortunately that sort of leaves a negative memory in your mind of uh vice city but i don't know i like doing tricks off buildings with the motorcycles which is <laughs> yes. like 50 of the 100 hours i spent in that game i will say for for any of you guys on the panel and any of our audience that may not have played these uh, just grab a car early in in GTA Three, which again is kind of the first of the modern like what GTA we know as today. Mm -hmm. The uh, Chatterbox radio. talk radio station, <laughs> probably the best version of it they've ever done in my memory, uh, and I've I've obviously played them all. Just go, just spend some time listening to Chatterbox and to to Laszlo, who you know from future you know the, the more recent GTA games, but it was. It was so good in GTA right. three. So Ryan, I think GTA three came out when we were in high school. Uh, I no, I was, well, I was in college. You might've been senior at that point, maybe if you, cause that maybe. was Oh one it's, this is 20 years. Okay. Right now. It was wow. the year oh. after I graduated. So yeah, okay. I had just graduated uh, high school and I remember I had the game on and I would leave it on and I would just listen to the radio station yes. all night. I would just really? leave that on in the background and have it playing. And, oh. uh, I still have my disc copies like in, in storage and uh, I'm very, very excited for these. Me too. Aww. Yeah. I, I'm going to be making time for these. Like I'm glad as long as they make it out before Halo, because I know I'm going to almost certainly <laughs> yeah. lose myself oh my God. to Halo once December 8th. December's booked. Yeah. December's <laughs> yeah. exactly right. But um, yeah, I, I'm eager to, to, to dive back into these uh, as soon as Rockstar announces a release date, which I would suspect you've got to do soon if it is this year as they say um also yeah totally makes me feel old the, the most recent of these three games is 17 years old san andreas oh, wow. is 17 mm -hmm. years ago gta 5 is eight years old so that's, that's oh, the, so weird excuse the timeline really entirely i did play when, that in college so i the new one is sense. is eight years old which is just <laughs> crazy but all right uh next up this week this i'm glad we have the full panel here to talk about this because this happened like right before we recorded last week i wanted to give everybody time to think about this and really have a good discussion about it because this is uh this is interesting and i i th there's a knee-jerk community reaction that i understand and i, I want to dig in 
with all of you here. Ubisoft has announced a new Ghost Recon game. You think, well, wait a second, that seems like a big deal. Ghost Recon Frontline, which is a (laughs) free-to-play, 100-plus player PvP first-person shooter. Uh, And so it's not your standard $60 premium Ubisoft uh, Tom Clancy series entry here. It's a free-to-play Battle Royale. I don't know why they are not using the term Battle Royale in their initial marketing for this, but Stella, you are our Battle Royale expert among the group. (laughs) And so I want to get your take on this first. I mean, this is, I mean, Ghost Recon, okay, you know, there's, you could see why they would might go down this road with this franchise, but they're certainly jumping into a pretty crowded field here. I think lore-wise, uh, it makes sense, like, in terms of, like, you know, like, your, your spec op soldiers, you're going in, that that's fine. Um, I, they haven't officially said Battle Royale, right? But it essentially is. I mean, that's no, it, a Battle Royale. It is. Okay. It looks like what, because when I saw it, I was like, why aren't they saying outright that it's a battle royale? Um, because, you know, you, you see the map, you automatically are like, oh, those are different POIs. Okay, cool. So it's it's battle royale format. It's a big map. Um, the way that you can do missions, I just realized in rewatching this trailer, the way that you do different missions is very similar to Warzone's style of doing contracts to get different weapons and different, um, uh, what is it, perks uh, throughout you playing so that's that's very interesting um i think that if ubisoft wanted to make a battle royale that wasn't ghost recon maybe this would work but because of the name ghost recon i think that's what a lot of people have issues with and i i kind of do too because i feel like that's just a very different feel from what i know of ghost recon and i i was actually checking back on my games to to remember which one i played with my friend and i think it was future soldier Um, okay yeah yeah, I played that and I loved it. I, I felt like, you know, we actually had to stealth through missions. I yes. liked that so much. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. you could and you could sync up your shots. <laughs> yes, uh, I loved yeah. that. That was so cool. I was like, oh my God, I actually feel like this really cool, badass soldier. Like, and and then seeing this, I was like, mm, that's not the that's not the ghost recon I remember. I mean, this is very flashy. This is very against all the rule books of being a spec op soldier, right? So it's it's interesting to me. Um and it, it in my opinion, uh, I feel like Ubisoft's shooters recently have not been fantastic. I have not been a good, I have not been a big fan. Hyperscape was not very good in their terms of a modern take on a battle royale. Uh, I think what was the I forget. What, oh, yes. Fancy's yes. Oh yeah. I don't think we can really about that. We did a whole yeah. episode on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it that that doesn't impress me either uh so i'm I'm a little bit concerned on how this is going to do especially since a lot of the things inside this game seem very similar to warzone's uh contract system and stuff so i don't know it'll be interesting it, it could be good but i'm mm, hmm. <laughs> i think being, being more pessimistic on this yeah. presentation yeah. makes a lot of sense yes. i mean this trailer is kind of i'm sorry it, it looks like a hot mess it's like it really does it's yeah. derivative it it's just so generic it's like they asked to look at someone else's homework and looked at all the other battle royale that are out that are similar to the stone like the i guess the tone or style that they would want for theirs and they're like all right just write down these notes and i know like obviously game development's a lot more difficult than just that but it's like so as you're saying very evident where they're pulling inspiration from for different things whether you're going back to like PUBG or 
Um, of course, like with Warzone, I think it's the most obvious uh, inspiration here, but it's just looks so uninspired and yeah. it's not flashy at all in any sort of interesting way. I, I look at this and I always ask, okay, what are you adding for here? Like, what are you giving us that's unique? Like, why does it matter that this is Ghost Recon and not just generic num number 200 Battle Royale that's out there uh, that we can find on the App Store or something? Because you know how many there are there. Uh, and I don't, I don't see it. And I think Ubisoft really just needs to take a second and look at their portfolio and be like, hey, uh, I think Ryan made a, made a great note in here that they're just going after these buzzwords. It's like, okay, which of these is this checkoff? And how can we make this into a game? And it just looks soulless. It looks just like they weren't excited to present this either. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's just what I get from this. Yeah. And Miranda, to your point, Ubisoft just feels so out of touch with what their community actually wants from the Tom Clancy franchise. The Tom Clancy players don't want Tom Clancy X Defiant. What even is that game? What is... Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Frontline. Like the reason people are mad, the reason the video has like a 10% like ratio to a 90% dislike ratio is because Ubisoft has yet again not delivered what the fans have asked for, right? Like it's, they're not doing it with Splinter Cell. People have been asking for years with Splinter Cell. They failed on the last Ghost Recon. The one before that was at least more liked, but it's just... It's it's saddening to see what they are doing with the Tom Clancy franchise because at one time Tom Clancy meant uh, greatness and just it just feels like with three Tom Clancy two Tom Clancy entries that just missed the mark so spectacularly um, it's it's just really disappointing to see it as put it mildly. Also, I just really have to quickly add if you have watched the trailer, there's this one point where someone calls in like a tower, like it just drops in. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like man, if you and climbed it immediately someone would shoot your i was gonna say this you know as an easy different phrase but we'll, we'll keep friendly friendly here someone would eliminate you immediately like there is no way you just get up there and be like oh, oh, oh i can get all the headshots i want like what i don't know like there's just again it comes down to the pacing comes down to the delivery of this it just doesn't feel good in any sort of way exactly to your point dustin like there's i think it, it feels like, yes, we want creatives to be able to make the games they want to make and make what makes sense for their brand and all this other stuff. And not everything can be determined by the community, right? Uh, community yeah, may want still. things, but they don't necessarily know what's best. However, there is also listening to your market and also looking at things where this obviously to me, again, just looks like somebody at the top of Ubisoft says, we need to hit these buzzwords. And the team said, okay, <laughs> this is my job. They said so. they were going to do this too. They said we're gonna make a bunch of cash-ins, yep. basically. Yeah. Yep, but don't worry, we haven't been in AAA. Well, where are the, where are the triple A's? Yeah, we got Far Cry Six. What is coming? You know, because these these are so spectacularly missing the mark that <laughs> I'm losing a little faith here. <laughs> I want to come back to something you said, Destin, which was that Tom Clancy, the, the video game brand of Tom Clancy, used to mean greatness, and I think I just want to add on to your point with something that you also said i just kind of want to connect them when you said that uh the lack of originality because that is what fueled the greatness of those tom clancy games like the original ghost recon which when it came to xbox it was it was a pretty straight port of the pc game but it was still a new thing 
Now, the, the originality, in a sense, there came from the fact that it was one of the launch titles for Xbox Live, and suddenly you could go on and play this thing in these big, woodsy, outdoor areas, you know, team team games, and everybody's got the got a broadband connection, and everybody's got a microphone, and those were glorious early days of Xbox Live, when you would jump in and you'd just, everybody that was there wanted to be a team player and wanted to participate, and you'd just go prone in the grass, and you'd just pick guys off. I mean, uh, but the as the series went on, and as, as the Clancy brand went on, you know, Splinter Cell, absolutely ton of originality there in in the sort of the use of gadgets and the use of technology to fuel the gameplay with the real-time lighting engine in the shadows. Uh, Rainbow Six has continued to innovate over time. And yeah, it's when you see this, that's I get that's where the pessimism come from comes from. The only silver lining that I'm trying to find, trying to take from this right now, and I know a lot of the audience will straight disagree with me here, but what I'm trying to hold on to, and maybe it won't be there in the end, but what I'm hoping is that the sp- the original spirit of, t- of, of Ghost Recon specifically is, like I was talking about a minute ago, that big outdoor woodsy environment where you're you're just taking people out from far away in a in a team game like that's uh well whether you're campaign or or multiplayer and this at least maybe is holding on to some of that spirit where it's now maybe not stuff calling things dropping out of the sky is not exactly in that spirit but <laughs> but uh just the, the fact that it is set in a big woodsy area i mean if if sniping is a big factor of this i don't know it's not, I'm hoping there is a kernel of it in there, but a will it really be there? And you know, because we're seeing guys like with explosions and machine guns and stuff drop. Who knows? But so many drops, so many a lot of drops. drops. But, but yeah, uh, we'll keep an eye on this one certainly. Um, but Ubisoft certainly they they've not done a good job lately of uh, getting their marketing campaigns off on the right foot. A lot of these. All these games that you guys just talked about, they've all been been starting like at the at their own one yard line, trying to get to the other end of the football field of like, well, everybody hates this. Uh, It's downvoted into oblivion on YouTube. So where do we go from here? And ultimately, if the game's any good, that'll win people back. But yeah, this is just a, a, a kind of a left field announcement that once again has not been received well. So. Yeah, well, there, there's there's a further complication here, and I think it's it's more of an industry topic generally. Sorry to cut you off, Stella. You're fine. Um, just real quick, I'll I'll say this. Um, I think when you look at like Fortnite making so much money based on their cosmetic downloadable things, and Apex Legends, a great game, but they make a lot of their money from uh, cosmetics and uh, being able to buy characters, being able to buy things, even something like Destiny's Eververse. The reason that Ubisoft is going into this is because they have shareholders to account to, and they're trying to figure out ways to further monetize their products. And everybody sees right through what they're doing. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is people spend a lot of money in these places. So while the community is saying, I don't want this, it's terrible, it's bad. It's it's because they look at the market data and they say, well, okay, you might hate it but we're going to make more money than we've ever made by releasing this product because people will buy money in those stores. So yeah. the only thing I can say to consumers is stop buy, buying stuff in those stores. 
Hey man, like, honestly, you can't stop me from spending data. in Eververse, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I need I've ne- that constellation cloak for my warlock, okay? Ooh. What, Miranda? <laughs> I said I need that constellation cloak for my warlock, okay? Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, I, I never spent money in the Eververse because I like this is what happens. Other companies see that market data. They see how much uh, these com- other companies are making and they have to answer to their shareholders. And like, here's mm-hmm. here's where we are with this beloved brand, unfortunately. But the thing is with that, like, I mean, people are already spending so much money, like you said, in Fortnite, especially since Fortnite is getting uh, deals with like Disney, Marvel. I mean, even uh, uh, Will Smith. I mean, like, you know, there's so many different uh, collaborations that they're doing. Um, and then Apex, of course, uh, which has hailed itself as one of the best battle royals out there. So I, I want to like, I'm, I'm very confused on their timing of this, right? Because the battle royale market is extremely competitive. Um, and, and yeah. you know, Warzone and Fortnite have already established themselves as very like distinctive battle royales. Same with Apex. So you've got these three very solid games that are very, very populated still. And now you're getting this game that looks like there's nothing unique about it Fortnite, you have building you have all the different skins you have the collaborations you have the story the massive in-game events warzone it's call of duty uh they change it up every every new game drop and you know add in a few things and there's you know the the whole thing with contracts and it's a big map uh with apex it's i mean it's the titanfall universe what else can you ask for uh lots of different abilities and stuff but with this, we have no information on how it's going to work. What kind of squad play? Like, are, is it going to be squads of four, three? Uh, will there be duos, solos? Nothing. We don't know anything about that. We don't know anything about the characters. And it just, like Miranda said, it looks very bland. There's nothing unique about this game that would say that it would last any time in the Battle Royale market. So I'm, I'm very confused on why they decided to go this route. This happens every single time. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Justin. Well, to further bolster your point, uh, Stella, if you look at the mobile game that Ubisoft released that failed, like it was about, it was sort of like the same concept. It didn't oh. work. You look at Hyperscape, they released that. Hyperscape clearly has very low <laughs> player numbers. It's not working yeah. for them. Um, they they released X Defiant, which has been universally pandered. It just feels like, like who, what is this? Who are you targeting with this game? Who does this appeal to? It doesn't appeal to Splinter Cell fans. It doesn't appeal to Division fans. It's just like a, a derivative shooter and then you know they come out with ghost recon frontline and everybody sees right through it they're like this is your call of duty clone right and it's just like like call of duty has done it so amazing well apex fortnite does it really well um i'm sure there's another battle royale i'm forgetting but like PUBG can ghost pardon PUBG maybe mm-hmm. yeah maybe PUBG. but like the point is ghost recon frontline is entering a very crowded market of people who have excelled in their their areas will it end up even being good so like you've taken a, a brand that is beloved you've put it into a genre where it doesn't fit and you're just hoping it clicks and yeah i mean that's Weird. that's the thing too I, I know we've talked about this before as well is that a lot of times you have these these waves of new games that get really popular and getting into the top three of that is immensely difficult and if you try to break in you have to bring something special you have to bring something excellent that is unique and i guess i like has such a firm identity that is so interesting or so cool that will pull people away from those other like potentially i just say top three because usually it does end up being like three or four top players how do you pull them away from that you have to have something that's super special because how much time and how much money have they invested 
And will they actually want to just drop that to go play your next shooter that looks somewhat generic? Um, you have to have an entry that's really interesting. And I think you actually see a lot of, I think, other studios out there doing interesting things that aren't necessarily Battle Royale. Like, they're just other creative things in the shooter space. Like, one of the ones that I think I'm really curious about, I've played a little bit of it. It's not necessarily for me. But I know, like, Hell Let Loose is really cool. Like, that is something that's doing something unique within the shooter space and says, like, this is our identity. Obviously, we're going back to <laughs> the World Wars. <laughs> but it does something unique with that. And I think that's what we we're sort of crave a lot of times. But then you get these big model of companies that have their shareholders to please. And they're like, oh, yes, we can. We can. I, I assume someone begrudgingly said, yes, fine. We will do this because this is what we have to do. This is what we were told to do. And we will do it. And it will fail. And someone along the line said, this isn't a great idea. And they had to do it anyway. I, I'm sure we've all seen it in our jobs, no matter what kind of industry you're in. Like, it happens. And it's. I think in this space where it is about entertainment, about that excitement. We're like we're looking for something fresh. And you see like a company like Ubisoft that is so large and has so many great uh, studios and talent. And then you see them put this out, which is just such a haphazard thing. You're like, I just don't want you to waste your time on this. Like don't waste your studio's time on this. And and I understand this is a business. You got to make money. Like at the end of the day, that's what, you know, people at the top care about. Like, are we making more money on these games? And I just wish that they would let their studios and their creative talent have a second to say, okay, what are our objectives and what do we actually want to do? And how can we do this successfully in a way that is actually exciting for our developers, is exciting for our audience, and still makes money? I mean, again, look at Apex. Like, Apex was also kind of a shot in the dark of, we're going to try this. And then they it's put like it out. It's a Skunkworks project at Respawn, right? <laughs> exactly. And it's phenomenal. Like, we love Apex. And obviously, it's had its issues. It's had its bumps in the roads. And they've gone through to fix it. but there are ways to do these things well and ubisoft's top brass does not seem to care about that at all and it's just so frustrating to see it happen over and over uh and i'm sure this game will find a way to kick people like destin and i in the groin by <laughs> in, by putting in like a Sam Fisher character. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> of course like, they will. You know, with the with the goggles and everything, and yeah, uh, yeah, we'll just continue to we'll just keep taking those hits. I'm sure as well. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll keep an eye on it certainly, and hopefully, it'll. I mean, I, I think is it fair to say, uh, speaking here particularly to Miranda and Stella, that even Call of Duty Warzone was met with some skepticism initially right is oh they're just trying to you know battle royalify call of duty and that has turned into a, a very good and respected game yes but i feel like call of duty has maintained its fps uh, uh what is it called like the, their ability to um put out good fps games every year they, yeah. they've been able to show their quality for that Whereas with Ubisoft, I feel the quality has been very uh, inconsistent, uh, especially in recent years. I mean, we Get look at Hyperscape it. and like the gunplay felt incredibly off. The abilities felt a little bit, uh, they felt very unbalanced. Um, stuff just didn't feel right. Uh, and then, um, you know, X Defiant, I doesn't know what it wants to be. There's no identity there. So there's just not a whole lot of faith in their quality of FPS games. Uh, as opposed to Call of Duty, where, you know, you know that they have a lot of resources, they've been looking at the FPS uh, genre and, and what works and what doesn't, and they've been adapting 
their gameplay to fit the modern genre. Like uh, they added the ping system, they added sliding, they added like more smooth movement mechanics and stuff. So I think that's like the two big differences. This could be good. It could be something. It, it could be playable and maybe their free-to-play market works, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm almost terrified for them to make a, a new Splinter Cell because it'll probably just do the same thing that Far Cry has done and and all the other brands where it's just Watch Dogs is the same game as Far Cry is the same game as Assassin's Creed at this point, right? Just different settings. Yeah. Like, is that what the next Splinter Cell would be? Don't make it then. Yeah, I mean, sorry, you know, this. no, no, it's okay. I'm glad kind of this is a, Good segue to finish this topic before we move on to uh, Ghostbusters, which would be a fun topic. But yeah, I'm with you, Destin. Like this, this came up. Um, I forget one of our mutual friends. It might have been Alana Pierce or might have been Paris. I forget. There was there. Everybody was kind of talking about. Yeah, like Splinter Cell. If if the Ubisoft of today did make that game, it would probably not be a game that we liked that we wanted to play uh as as old school splinter cell fans because of all that stuff of like well splinter cell doesn't check a lot of those boxes it's not a battle royale it's not a first person shooter uh you know it's it's a i mean it was like when you kind of look back on splinter cell it was like an art house game but with a triple a budget and talent behind it and yes, could Ubisoft make that today? Absolutely, they could. Uh, we've talked before that Clint Hawking, the the lead on Chaos Theory, the best of the best when it comes to Splinter Cell, had left, but has now he's working at Ubisoft again. So it's like he works there. He like, we could put those two things together. But yeah, there's just no stealth games are gone. They don't sell because they're. The stealth mechanic has been absorbed and, in my opinion, diluted into the open world game. Like there are stealth elements in Deathloop, which is a great game, but is the stealth itself excellent in that game? Not in my opinion. There's stealth in Assassin's Creed, but is it a stealth game? And is the stealth itself amazing? No, it's it's like stealth has just kind of been shaken up and poured into a bunch these other genres and these other games diluting it and and nobody's making purely stealth games anymore with the probable i guess the major exception would be hitman uh origami or a what's that new one the new stealth one that just but it's not that's not a great game uh yeah the sequel's not i think the first one was regarded better i know ign didn't give a great review to the second one as i recall but but yeah like and IO is on their own. They don't have a major publisher with, to your excellent point, with shareholders to answer mm. to. Uh, IO is, is, they're completely on their own and they say, hey, Hitman's our baby and we love it. And they keep, you know, they have doubled down on it and it's worked for them at their scale. And their, but it's still, I, yeah, I, I am not optimistic that if, if a Splinter Cell game did get made, it would be like a Chaos Theory 2 kind of situation. It would, it would it would be I'm afraid it would be like an open world thing that I wouldn't really want to play. But who knows? Who knows? Someday, maybe we'll find out for better or for worse. Uh, next this week, Ilphonic, the developer behind the very popular Friday the 13th game, as well as Predator Hunting Grounds, is working on a Ghostbusters game. Uh, this is interesting. The Ghostbusters Afterlife movie review. I was just reading that on IGN this morning. Nine out of ten 
which I'm so delighted to see. Uh, the trailers have looked good to me, but I'm, you know, I think most everybody has reason <laughs> to be very guarded when it comes to <laughs> a new Ghostbusters film at this point. But uh, yeah, so good stuff there. So, and there appears to be a game on the way as well. So this was pointed out on Resetera by the user Chairhome. Ilphonic Studio co-founder Rafael Sadiq casually revealed the Ghostbusters game in a recent interview on the music podcast Quest Love Supreme. Sadiq let slip news that the company is working on a Ghostbusters tie-in after being asked how many games the studio currently has out. He said, quote, Friday the 13th is the last one in Predator and we're working on Ghostbusters right now before quickly moving on to other topics and never coming back to it, probably because he realized he wasn't supposed to say that. So uh, now there these other movie tie in games that they've done are they probably point to the kind of game Ghostbusters is going to be because they're the asymmetrical multiplayer games, the kind of 4v1, 5v1 kind of thing. Uh, So. I'll start with uh, Destin here. Destin, do you think we're looking at a ghosts versus Ghostbusters kind of setup for this? This could be interesting. Yeah, I actually think this might work really well for the Ghostbusters franchise, surprisingly. Um, you know, we haven't seen anything Ghostbusters that's been successful in a while that I can think of off the top of my head. But something like this, I could actually see it it catching and being interesting. Uh one player is an overpowered ghost and all the other players are trying to defeat that character. It also incorporates like the idea of team camaraderie that the Ghostbusters would have had. You know, uh, I really, really like this. I think it sounds fun. And uh, I'm not even into this genre of game that much. But for Ghostbusters, I'm like, it seems like it makes sense. Stella, you uh, just got done talking about how much fun you're having with Back for Blood so far, a four player <laughs> PVE game. Is uh, would, would a Ghostbusters title from ilphonic be up your alley yeah so uh i've also been because it is spooky month i've been playing a lot of phasmophobia which is kind of like Mm -hmm. you know the the co-op sort of thing in a horror setting but also i've been playing forewarned which i want to shout out it's a very good game um it it's kind of like phasmophobia but in a uh, egyptian temple sort of uh uh setting so you're going in there to investigate like this uh this what is it like these deities that are haunting these tombs so you have to use clues to figure out what it is and then you know combat it or escape so if they take that sort of formula with uh ghostbusters because you know it's still ghosts like it's kind of spooky i think that'd be really cool and maybe the ghost player could um i don't know if it's gonna be just one uh, or if it's gonna be like another team of four that'd be pretty cool uh maybe like there's like a setup stage where the ghosts get to mess with objects all around you know like haunt little things like pop things up drop things from the ground i think that'd be super cool um, if they do that sort of uh, clue mechanic that they do in Phasmophobia and Forewarned, where you have to figure out what kind of ghost type they are, and then you have to set up traps and stuff, I think that'd be really fun. It, it just seems like a really fun and chill game. Like, you just goof around and you mess yeah. with your friends. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I, I, absolutely, I'm down for that. It sounds like a wholesome game. <laughs> Miranda, are you in on this idea as well? I think this is actually something I'd rather watch than play. Uh, so I actually do like watching Dead by Daylight streams, and I think those are just a, such a fun thing to tune into. And so I think in the same vein of that with Friday the 13th and uh, Lesser Except Predator Hunting Grounds, uh, if Ghostbusters is another one of that, and as Stella had on it, like if it's a little bit more lighthearted and fun, even if it's not, I think it probably would be just with the nature of Ghostbusters. That would be a lot of fun. And I think uh, that's another thing that studios do try to aim for, too. It's like, how do you capture that Twitch audience? How do you capture the the kids who are watching or the folks that just want to hang out and watch the streamers play? 
uh, and then eventually get on it themselves and their friends. So I think that would be a fun way to do it. Yeah, I want to shout out before we move on uh, the triple A. We we got a triple A Ghostbusters video game for the Xbox 360 in 2009 that uh, Terminal Reality made and Atari published. It kind of was Ghostbusters three, like <laughs> long before, long before the 2016 film came around. Uh, that of course wasn't called Ghostbusters three, but it had Bill Murray was in it, Dan Aykroyd was in it, Harold Ramis was. They were all wow. in it, uh, and it was actually a really good game. I I played through the whole thing oh. right when it came out. Um, back at OXM, my my former KOXM podcast co-host and Ghostbusters super fan Dan Amrick reviewed it for us. Gave it a, a very good review. You know, he's a he's a tough person to please when it comes to anything Ghostbusters. And yeah, I think I want to say it's it might be backwards compatible. There was something it came up on IGN kind of recently, and that must be why I think it might be playable again. But um, when I lived in Texas, Terminal Reality was like very close to my apartment. Like a block away. No, I'm not nice. joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were, of course, they really made their name with Blood Rain, but then they did a great job on that Ghostbusters game as well. It had a, a lot of money behind it and talent and it was good stuff. So hopefully, now this will obviously not be that was a that was a single player narrative driven game. This will probably not be given Ilphonic's history, but that's okay. This seems like a really good form for a new 20, you know. 2022 Ghostbusters game to take. So keep an eye out for that whenever it gets officially announced, which I bet won't be too much longer. Uh, now, I guess probably, let's see, maybe the last big topic of this week. Uh, I want, this is an interesting, just it's, it's definitely inside baseball game industry stuff. So if you want to fast forward, I get it, but you know, we talk a lot about, and there's, there is this greater conversation happening in the games industry and, and necessarily so in my opinion about, the health and well-being, physical, mental, emotional health and well-being of the wonderful developers that make these games for us. And this past week, IDOS Montreal, the Square Enix-owned studio that is currently finishing up the Guardians of the Galaxy game, which is, by the way, a single-player narrative-driven game. If if you're missing those, there's one coming very soon. Uh, They are switching to a four-day work week, and it's not even a... 40 hour, you know, 10 hour per day. It's a, it's a 32 hour work week. The studio announced the change in a blog post where the head of studio, David and Fossey said that the move will help create a sustainable work environment. Quote, the idea is not to condense the working hours into four days, but rather to review our ways of doing things and our quality time invested with the aim of working better. Above all, we want to increase the productivity and well-being of our employees. And as I said, the four-day, 32-hour work week will not impact anyone's salary. They will be paid the same. And Fossey says one example of how the studio will make up the extra day is cutting unnecessary time spent in meetings, which I know there's a lot of listeners out there right now just like vigorously (laughs) nodding their heads along with that. So uh, let me go around the table here. Miranda, uh, start with you. What is your reaction to this? This is a really, for the games business, and really, quite frankly, I think for any business right now, this is a pretty bold move. Yeah, uh, biggest bravo to them for believing in their team, believing in them being able to find a structure that this could work for them. Uh, So I 
obviously don't have any experience with a four-day work week, uh, but one of our former co-hosts, Mitchell Dyer, actually does and chimed in quite a lot on this and how much he said having a four-day work week for his studios has really just benefited him so much for his well-being. Uh, honestly, if you just think about your weekend, think about how much time you spend getting ready for the next week and think how much actual time you have for yourself to just like refresh, like just give your brain a break for a hot minute, go read a book, go play a game cook something new there's not a lot of time for that and so the idea is i think part of this is that with that third day of your weekend that's just set in permanently you do have more time just to be a human and to be healthy and to get the time that you need to like tidy your house cooks again go out for a walk i i don't know just have time to exist and the idea is that if you as a person are healthier then when you come to work refreshed and ready to go, like you're not just like pent up stress of like, well, I just prepared the whole weekend, just getting ready for the next week. That's going to be also stressful. And so which is sort of like an avalanche of just a lot of heavy work that just sort of stacks and then you get sick. And then, you know, it, it's just sort of, I guess, the ideology that giving that extra day will just make your employees happier and then we'll make them easier going into work. And like, just think about like your best days of like how productive were you when you were actually feeling really good and you felt like you're, I don't know, it's like we're to say it, you felt like you were hydrated. That's always my problem. Like I'm very dehydrated. Um, and you felt like you like are living in a, or you're working in a clean space. That's just good for you. And you don't have to like worry about all these other things you're trying to catch up on. You're just ready to focus on what you need to get done because you had that extra time to prepare and to get back to the work day. And honestly, of course, a huge part of this is cutting out meetings. Uh, so any of them, I'm like, could you just have emailed this to me? Like sometimes, yes, yes, we need to talk about this in depth because there are a lot of questions. But sometimes it's like half of us didn't need to be here. I think half people are probably even paying attention. Uh, and I think that also just forces folks to really consider what they're asking of people and to focus, right? Like if you do have that shorter time to work, then maybe it's like, hey, is this thing that you're trying to book really that important? And if you can kind of like give that second gut check, maybe that makes things more efficient. Stella, your thoughts here? I think it's great. Uh, I think it's quality over quantity. Honestly, just because you're spending more hours doesn't mean that you're getting a lot done. Uh, I mean, you know, some days you may just not be really feeling uh, what you have to do and you might feel overwhelmed. And it, I think a lot of people don't understand, like, especially even, even with us in our jobs, you know, people are like, oh, no, you have to play games for a living. And I'm like, just be, even if you absolutely love what you do, their burnout is still very real. And I don't think a lot of people recognize that um, work is still work. And I think the fact that they are trying to make the time that they do spend uh, in the office and, you know, on work hours um, effective and efficient, I think that's great. And they've lowered it, which is great because every time we have a three day weekend, I'm just like, why isn't this the norm i feel right. great i feel yeah. ready. like i actually feel ready like i take a full day like sundays i feel like i only get one day to really relax like saturday sundays i'm just like okay i have to think about everything i'm gonna do uh because i manage work stuff and then i also manage my my personal brand stuff outside of work so it's like constant you know so hearing this makes me feel very happy maybe there's change on the horizon maybe this will be something that companies talk about uh i really hope so because i'm also not a big fan of uh, developers crunching or anyone crunching really so hearing this makes me feel happy uh because it means that they're getting quality time so it makes me makes me feel very happy for them well i think Destin, i'll go to you here to, to wrap this up i think th that's the big question that i i went and read the entire blog uh, rather than just the ign article on it 
there was nothing mentioned about crunch. So mm. they're not saying they're not explicitly saying that Dang they're going to avoid crunch <laughs> with this. Yeah. And I don't know if you can do if you, can you have both and you have the four day, 32 hour work week and no crunch. I don't know. But Destin, what do you think here? Uh, well, to answer the crunch question, you can. It just means the game's going to take longer to make. Right. Um, so that means you need to plan appropriately with regards to your timelines when you're making products like that. I also don't know what their workflows are, but I do know one thing has been happening across the industry. Um, with COVID, it has clearly identified that there are more opportunities from work from home, more opportunities for four day work weeks. And it's sort of proven that the model of only there's only one way to work together as a team. It's just not true. Not everything works well for everybody. And it's about leaning into the opportunities that have been presented to us now. Like I believe Eidos Montreal is doing here and uh, figuring out how to make those strengths as opposed to weaknesses. Uh, and something that was pointed out online in the, in the sort of social media sphere conversation that surrounded this when it first popped, that I think is an excellent point is uh, Eidos Montreal specifically doing this is uh, a potential competitive advantage for them because as we all know, Montreal is an absolute hotbed of game development. Mm -hmm. There are a million studios there. Most major publishers have set up shop in Montreal. EA has a studio there. Obviously, Ubisoft has a massive presence there. WB has a big presence there. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Let's see. I don't know if actually Microsoft has anybody there. Uh, is is uh, I'm not sure. Anyway. Point is, Montreal is uh, there's a lot of competition for game development talent in that area, and well, suddenly if you're a if you're a talented developer looking for work for whatever reason, and you see IDOS Montreal that's there uh, offering a four day, thirty two hour work week, well, you're probably going to take a hard look at, at them, and th so this might help them attract even more talent than they already have. So. Uh, it's a fascinating experiment. I hope it works well so that other studios and, and other just businesses uh, apply it. I mean, hey, I'll tell you, if, if IGN went to a four-day work week tomorrow, I'd be happy to do to just do the 10-hour day for four days and get three days. Like, 32 is even, that would be even better. So, uh, yeah, I, I salute the, the uh, studio heads at, at uh, IDOS on this and, and just corporate the corporate overlords signing off on it. And I hope that the, I hope that this goes really well so that we see more of it. All right. Well, we've got just a few minutes left here. I'm going to just skip loot box for one more week. I promise we'll get back to it soon, but I do have a good question teed up by the way. So we'll get to that shortly, but for now, unlock block trivia, we've got the four of us here. Stella, I, I apologize. You're at a supreme disadvantage uh -oh. in the, you know, we, we keep score all year. You know, you've played a couple times recently oh, these last couple okay. weeks. Yeah. So it's the winner. It's it's a year long leaderboard, and then there is a there is a genuinely awesome trophy at the end that's that's Xbox themed that someone in the audience voluntarily steps up and makes. Uh, and Destin oh. can show you. Like there have been some cool ones. Destin, do you have one handy? Oh, I'd have to I'd have to go get it. You'd have to go get it. Well, can you go full screen on me? 
So the controller there, I see it. there <laughs> is one of the trophies, and the other oh, one's on top so of the cool. other one's yeah, on top yeah, of the. Can't thing. see that one in the frame, but that's okay. So, uh, but in any case, Stella, yeah, you're you're warming up. You're yes, there it is, Miranda. You're playing for pride, warming up for for 2022. So oh. this week's this week's question comes from oh, I like a fool. I didn't write down the person's name. I will find that person's name as uh, as you guys uh, sort of ruminate on this question. It's a good one. Dice, makers of Battlefield, uh, they are synonymous with Battlefield and the Frostbite engine that they create as well for other EA studios and themselves. But long before the shooters, the studio used to make a lot of racing games. It's true. Which of the following games was not developed by Dice? So three of these were made by Dice. Pick out the one that wasn't. Was it NASCAR Heat, Rally Sport Challenge? Midtown Madness 3 or the Italian job. So let me see. I'll go uh let me I'll go Stella's way first on this as what? I as I try oh, to get no. Uh, no? All right, I'll go down. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um I the uh, D the Italian job it just sounds out of place. I genuinely okay. have no idea. I'm just making another guess like I did last week. All right. You know, Ryan, at this point, I'm just going to make one of those, like, you remember in The Office how they had those little Olympics? I'm just going to get a yogurt lid, put a string through it, put number one on it, and that'll be my consolation prize. That'll be my medal. <laughs> love it. I love the the ingenuity there. Miranda, how about you? You have any thoughts on this one? I know racing isn't necessarily your number one genre, but. No, I just remember there's like a handful of ones that I used to play when I was a kid that I loved a lot, but they were not produced by dice. So I, I don't know. Um. I did used to play a NASCAR game, weirdly enough, but it was not NASCAR Heat. We're going to do... I feel like so many of these are just are just trying to trick me. We'll do a real, uh, Rally Sport Challenge. Okay. Destin, do you have any thoughts on this one? Rally Sport makes a lot of sense, but I decided to stick with my original guess. I have no idea. For some reason, Midtown <laughs> Madness sounds really familiar. I don't know why, but... You know, when when Miranda brought up Rally Sport, though, I was like, oh, wait, that's like a whole series, I think, of racing games. I think Miranda's got it, but I'm going to stick with my original guess. C, Midtown Madness. Okay. Mm. All right. Hopefully well, the good, that... news, the good news, one of you is correct. And by the way, uh, Luis Miranda is the uh, kind listener oh. that sent in this excellent trivia question. Luis managed to stump almost everyone, but not Stella. <gasps> oh, are you serious? <laughs> Again. There was, there was, you know, this is the Italian job, of course, the uh, remake, the film remake from about 20 years ago with Mark Wahlberg when they were driving around in Mini Coopers. Uh, that there was a game based on that, and these are all real games. But yes, yeah. uh, they didn't. Dice didn't make that one, but they made NASCAR Heat. They were probably most famous on Xbox, the original Xbox. The Rally Sport Challenge games were beloved, and Midtown mm. Madness. Those were really good PC games. Uh, back in the day as well so Luis, excellent question here yeah very good question because yeah guessed correctly <laughs> we only had, oh sorry ahead, i was just gonna say we only ever had project gotham racing and i loved those very much oh yeah those are great a rally sport challenge for me oh. stella's got two points and uh destin you're two points behind miranda at this point so what, what, are, the, what are the totals at? Little buffer, little buffer. Uh, like nine and seven i don't know we gotta, so we gotta wrap we up here we had 52 our, questions this year 
And oh wow! <laughs> wait, what? Wait, it's not fifty-two. <laughs> No. It's, it's not even close to 52. We're, we're here at most every week, but you know. That'd be it's really funny. <laughs> hey, no, these are really hard. Okay. No, no, they're they're really absolutely tough, not easy. No, they absolutely are. Our listeners do a great job with stumping us, okay? <laughs> Uh, if anybody out there has an Xbox trivia question they'd like to try and stump the panel with, please send it in. The email address is unlocked at IGN.com. And that'll wrap it up for us. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. You can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. If you want to send in a loot box question, a video loot box question, post it on your Twitter, you know, on, on, on video and tag me DMC underscore Ryan. And I'll throw you in the consideration for a future episode. And quickly, super turbo fast around the room, Miranda. Yep. Uh, you can follow me at have a gross and let's have a good the K on Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and everywhere else. Please use IGN guides. Thank you. Excellent. Stella. Hi, uh, I, I'm Parallax Stella across all social media. And this weekend on the 17th, I'll be casting um, an Apex Legends Global Series uh, Pro Series, Pro League Series. Uh, so you guys can catch me on the Play Apex uh, Twitch channel and YouTube channel this weekend. So. Sweet. Love hearing that. Destin, welcome back and take us home. Yeah, follow me on Twitter for all my trash takes at Justin Legary. And uh, as soon as something, something, some code comes in that I can actually get in time, mm-hmm. you can check out my content on IGN. Sounds good. Uh, for Super Producer Red, I'm Ryan, along for uh, along with my fellow panelists Miranda, Stella, and Destin. This was unlocked five fifteen. We'll see you next week. <laughs>